Welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning. I'm a home birth, free birth guide, fear and mindset coach, podcaster, speaker, women's rights activist, and highly sensitive person. I'm a mother of three girls, and I've had two unplanned and unneeded C-sections with a special scar. I birthed our third 4.5 kilo baby at home in a free birth after not being able to access a home birth midwife. My own journey has sparked a deep passion to support women to find their strength and courage to create the pregnancy, birth and postpartum you desire and deserve. This podcast is for women wanting to learn more about VBATs, especially home births and professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC women and families. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited to be here with one of my clients who recently had an amazing surprise free birth, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, and we've just been chatting before and it's so nice to see each other and on screen and be able to see this beautiful baby that you've got in your arms now. I'm so blessed to be able to see this visual of you and your smiling face and thank you so much for coming on to share your story with us so soon after having your baby um welcome thank you I'm so excited to be here and thank you for the opportunity to share my story like hearing yours and all the other ones on the podcast really made a difference for me and yeah so I'm, I'm I'm hoping that whoever listens to my story can feel the same way I felt it feels empowered to to birth how we were meant to Absolutely. I think there's a huge power in storytelling, which is why we've always been storytellers as humans, because we learn through each other and we learn wisdom and carry on wisdom. So thank you for sharing your story. And let's start with a little introduction about you. Please tell us who you are and any information that you would like to share with us about you. Um, So I'm Diane, I'm originally from California. I'm in Perth now. So um, and I've been here for six years. Um, yeah, and I'm a mom of two, Lily and Archie here. So um, cute. <laughs> Love the names. Yeah. And yeah, so. And that's it. it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So let's just start with your first pregnancy and birth and, and then we'll go from there. So with Lily, um, we started... When I got pregnant with her, she was a surprise baby, very wanted, but surprise baby. I was in the best shape of my life, super fit, everything was perfect. Um, So the pregnancy, I had no fears, no worries. I knew I wanted to have a water birth. I had a birth plan. Um, I had like my whole, my, my whole mindset was, okay, I'll have a birth plan do the delayed cord clamping and all of that. I didn't know that much. I was still learning about all this stuff, but I had hired a doula and she was kind of telling me about the different options. Um, so I had never in my mind that I think um, things were gonna go down the way they did. Um, and that I would then have any like risks or anything like that. So it wasn't until, because the pregnancy was great like no morning sickness nothing but it wasn't until I tested 
positive for gestational diabetes that everything changed. Um, and then we ended up, my husband was working FIFO. We decided to move up north because um, I didn't have any family. Like I said, I'm from California and his family was living up there. So we were like, okay, let's move up there, get some support. So but where, the, you're currently, are you in America at this point in time? Uh, no, I'm here in, in, you're in uh, Australia. Yeah, oh, okay, sure. So we moved, but he was doing FIFO. So we moved up north to be with his family, close to his family. But being in a little mining town and a little isolated area, you don't have many like resources. You're limited as, as far as, you know, what you can do. So there was this place where you could have a, like a water birth. So I was like, okay, maybe I could do that. But because... I had gestational diabetes. They were like, well, now you're considered high risk. Um, so you could labor here, but it was like a two hour drive from where we lived. Um, but it is far and you could probably, you know, potentially have a baby on the way here or something. And to me, I was like, that's so scary. So let me not do that. Um, so I thought it would be safer, quote unquote, <laughs> safer to just go to the hospital closer and have a baby there. But, th but throughout the whole rest of my pregnancy, it was really like a big fight because I knew I didn't want to have a cesarean. Like I didn't have a plan B or anything. It was just like, I'm going to have a normal vaginal, no drugs, like just, you know, do my hypnobirthing, what I have learned, um, and but have it in the hospital. And it was just, every time I would go in, it was a fight. Like I had different obstetricians every time there was like no consistency so I had to keep talking to them about you know what I wanted when I would show them my birth plan they would be like what's this uh, and I would be like oh it's my birth plan they're like oh okay well this is gonna go out the window on the day of so it doesn't matter so I kept feeling like what what's going on like <laughs> and then when I met with the diabetes person she was like well you actually pretty fit your BMI's because I was pretty healthy fit like the slimmest I've ever been and oh, she was like you should actually be like tell me what to eat that's what she said but because I was not a permanent resident I didn't have like Medicare or anything they were like your your pregnancy is high risk so if there are any complications, you're going to have to be flown out and it's going to be really expensive and maybe you should just go back home. And I was like, back home, like, like a home birth. And she's like, no, like go back home to the U.S. to have your baby. Here I am. Yeah. Like over seven months pregnant. And I literally like was so shocked and I was like, okay, like, what is she trying to say? Like, and then I remember going into the car and sitting there and just crying. My husband was at home because um, he was on night shift and I called him um, and I just sat there and I was just crying and he was like, what? So when I got home, I was like, I'm never going back to these appointments by myself. So every appointment after that, because they were like, okay, well, if you don't want to schedule a cesarean, um, we're going to have to monitor the baby. So you're going to have to come in and get um, get it, get the, the girl's scans to make sure that the baby's not too big. Um, and I didn't know what I know now. So I kept being the good girl in that regard. And I kept going to go 
get the, the girl scans and baby was in like the normal range. And because my, the decision diabetes, my numbers were really controlled. It was all a diet. They were like, oh, well, because you're controlled and the baby's not really measuring too big, we're gonna let you, you know, just go a few days over your due date, but we'll schedule it and, you know, all, you know schedule the cesarean. And I was just like, okay. You know, I guess they're letting me do that because I'm such, being such a good girl and my numbers are so good and blah, 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 blah. But every single time we would drive to the scans, the whole 45 minute drive, um, I would be just crying. It was just, my nervous system was just so messed up. Um, and Can so- I just ask you, when they suggested that you go back to the US, like, was it because they knew that you were going to end up in a cesarean, like in their minds, and that you were going to have to pay out of pocket costs? Like, was that ever explained to you what what they meant by that? Basically, she said, "Oh, because of that, we don't really do um, in this hospital. Like, if it, there are any complications, um, the baby's going to require, uh, and if the baby needs to be in the NICU, like, we don't have a pediatrician here." And like, it almost was like, this is what's going to happen. So you're going to have to be flown out to Perth. And then she said, and if you end up getting a surgery, which she said, um, it'll be like this much every day. I forgot what the numbers were, but it was the same numbers. So it felt like this is, you know, and I was so angry. I was just like. And you're like, "Uh, okay, but that's not going to happen to me. I'm having a baby out of my vagina. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, and I was just like, no, everything's good. You know, my numbers are good, this and that. Yeah. And I was doing everything in my power. I was getting acupuncture treatments, going to the Cairo, um, eating super clean, you know, being active. Um, and once the duty started to approach, um, I started to do the things that they tell you to do, you know. <laughs> You know, start because I wanted to induce myself naturally. I didn't want like any of the synthetic stuff or any, but I thought, okay, if I do it naturally, at least that'll be better. Um, so what I ended up doing was just, you know, the natural stuff, just have eating the dates and having sex and, you know, all that sort of stuff, walking a lot and and I, and I ended up using like essential oils and all that and then something started to happen um but I started to get a bit of a bleed um and I wasn't sure what that was I was like yo is this my bloody show I asked my doula and she was like it could be um but if you feel like you know you want to get it checked out just go into the hospital blah 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 I remember calling them and they're like well it could be you know if you want to come in you know you can check it so I went in, they checked it and they were like, well, we don't really know. Um, it, you know, so basically what they ended up just saying was just go back home um, and rest. They gave me some sleeping pills, but this was actually now at 40, just like, I think it was 39, basically like a, like a day before I hit 40. Um, I was already feeling all of this and that, like at, yeah, before midnight. and. They'd send me home um, with sleeping pills. That's so weird as well that they gave you sleeping pills. Like, what if you need to be awake and active because you're going to have a baby? They want to KO you so that you can't be conscious. 
I, none of that made sense to me, but, but I didn't think about it because I was so, I didn't know. Well, you go um, to the hospital but, for like their support and advice. That's the that's what we've been trained to do, isn't it? So, you know, you're in no position to know what the hell's happening or even know, like, unless you've done, you know, all the stuff beforehand. But that's so and interesting. That, and at that point, I, I mean, I was kind of already starting to wake up to like more of a natural healing and all that sort of stuff. I'm not using drugs because before that I was your typical, just popping everything, you know, pharmacy, all that sort of stuff. I had like my own pharmacy in my purse is what people remember me by um and that there's <laughs> I had a pharmacy in my purse that's what people remember me by I love like, it I had everything like if I had like heartburn this and that everything <laughs> pull it out. Like, no no kidding but by here by this point I was already starting to learn about like you know natural stuff like essential oils and a little bit of homeopathic stuff but I wasn't too strong in it and confident um and when they said painkillers, I was like, oh, is that okay? Like for pregnancy and stuff and, and the sleeping pills? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I was just like, okay, well, then, you know. Um, but I still felt kind of in my body. I wasn't too crazy about it. I was like, no, let me see how I go. And then that night, um, this, yeah, that night, um, like right before midnight, I was, I was like, no, hubby, this is, this is different. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I still kept having a bit of the bleed. You pulled out the pool, um, filled it up. I went in there for a bit and I was just like in a lot of pain. Um, and he was like, oh, just go to sleep. <laughs> just, you know, until he actually kicks off. And I was like, and he was over here snoring. And I, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it. Cause if it is this, I want to be rested. Um, and I had already been like the whole day feeling like that. So then I did take the the painkillers and the sleeping pills. And then at midnight, I woke up and I was like, this, like, this isn't working. We need to go to the hospital. And he was like, oh, okay. So we go to the hospital and they check me and they're like, okay, you're four centimeters dilated. So you're going to stay here now, basically. And this was at midnight. So we get there, let the doula know. I don't remember what time she gets there, but basically um, I was in like laboring for a long time. Um, I had like the music because I had my hypnobirthing track playing, which I had played for months before every night. Um, I had that playing in the background. Oh. <laughs> okay. um, Sweet baby that's sounds. <laughs> <laughs> um so that was playing in the background and I had my essential oils and I had my crystals and you know all that sort of stuff affirmation cards um and I was just in so much pain but as soon as I got there they obviously put in the, the, to monitor me like they had the continuous monitoring thing around me and they put in the um, the cannulas because they were like, just in case, I didn't know that I could say no to any of that. I just, you know, okay, they you know, just put all this on me. It was so uncomfortable. I like, I had, they had in this birthing suite, they had like the ball and all of that, but I just could not get comfortable. And I was so worried about um, having the cesarean because they kept bringing up 
well, you know, you have this much time, blah, 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 you know what, you're not really progressing. So we're going to speed things up and um, we're going to have to wait, break your water. So that, you know, I was just like, okay, they broke my waters, but I was starting to bleed a lot more. And then he, the, the obstetrician was like, okay, well, I'm going to do another exam. And I just felt like kind of out of control, like really like things were just happening so quickly, what they were doing. And by that point they were like, okay, well, we broke your waters, things aren't really working. And then they did um, give me the synthetic, um, what, they, what is it called? I forgot what it's called to get the- Yeah, the syntocin or po- uh, yeah, pitocin, uh, yeah. The, the synthetic was, oxytocin. And because I was, I was not screaming in pain because I was still doing my deep breathing. I did get the gas. That's all I got. I was doing my deep breathing. They were like, oh, this isn't working. Um, You know, she shouldn't even be talking and she's over here laughing, so it's not working. We put her on the highest dose. Um, then Then they were like, and you're not progressing. And every time he would check, so much blood would come out and it was so painful I remember screaming and crying that was like more painful which now looking back like having processed all that um I realized how traumatic that was and how it triggered a lot of other stuff Mm. and my body was just like hold on nope 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 and he was just like okay it's not Mm. been such and such time so I know you didn't want to have a cesarean but you know, we're going to have to prepare you for this because, you know, that's what it looks like it's going to happen. And I was like, no, no, no. Can I just please? I was just like literally like fighting the whole time and like, please, like begging them. like, But, you know, I give me some more time. And he was just like, Look, I'll be right back. You know, um, someone had rocked up. And so he was going to go do that cesarean first. And he's like, OK, if I'm not back from then and you have to have the baby or something hasn't progressed. Um, then we're going to have to do this because um, he had to go as well. Like he was literally wearing <laughs> cargo shorts and like a floral top and his boat shoes. So he, he had to, cause he was going to go on holiday. He was literally on his way out. So um, when he got back finally, and this happened, like it felt like it was so quick, but it was like, almost 20 hours later that I was there the whole time they were like oh no the baby's the baby they said the baby's heart rate's dropped it's dropping and now it's getting serious I know you didn't want to do this but now it's you know the baby and you've lost way too much blood and I was just like okay well I need to save my baby so they brought the paperwork out to sign you know for the cesarean and the um, epidural um and I remember when they gave it to me and I was like literally reading that super raw signing it I just broke down crying took me to theater and I was just so scared and you know they they did just the epidural took her out I could hear her crying but I felt so so disconnected I felt so sick I was shaking so much I couldn't hold her um, they put her on me for a little bit. I was freezing and I was like, what's going on? What's going on? I didn't know what was going on in my body. I was just, I couldn't stop shaking. Like it was terrible. And I, and I felt like throwing up and I couldn't breathe. They took her, probably took her. Um, 
and so that they can just sew me up. And I literally was like, am I dying? Like, what's going on? They're like, oh, no, you're okay. So they gave me the barf bag and they put something in to help with the nausea and to try and calm me down. And it was just so scary. I thought literally that I was dying. I was like, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. Um, like, no, you're fine, you're okay. And just putting more stuff in. And it was just terrible. Like I, once I got with my baby, like, I just felt so like disconnected. Like it was just so bad. And she had a really rough start as well. She, they were like, oh, something's wrong with the baby. Um, her blood, she's got a bit of, um, her blood sugar levels are pretty low. They dropped low. And then she had a bit of a temp. So then they were like, oh, we need to check her, something's going on. And they said that she had like a bit of an infection or something in her lungs and that they needed to give her antibiotics right away because the other way it was, what did he say? Um, it was, it would, get, it would get to a place of no return. So here I am just freshly, you know, out of the theater and all that. And um, they're telling me that I need to do that right away. And I remember from my own experience like antibiotics were like a no-no um, and I was still healing from all of that and I really didn't want to do that but when they said that I was just I remember crying like okay you know just do this and keep my baby alive and oh she was you know it took us years to like help her with all of that like how um how, how like messed up she was from that but even just the start of her journey so here I am traumatized, <laughs> you know, working on her out and just so set on no more babies. Like, screw this. I had really bad um, postnatal depression. Um, it was such a bad time for me then. Um, super, super dark times. I got some help um, and I started to like really work on myself and heal. Then I found out that, that I had other health stuff. It just, my health just kept getting worse and worse until they told me I had um, type two diabetes. And I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely not having any kids because, you know, before when I was super healthy and fit, this happened. And now that I'm like this, this I already know what's going to happen if I try again. Then a few years passed by and um, I start. I was like, you know what? I feel like I can do this. And I was starting to like learn and heal from that experience that I felt like maybe I could do this, but I'm going to change the story and I'm going to do something different this time around. Um, so it took just three years, just three years for me to like heal and decide with my husband, like, hey, we're going to do this, but it's going to be different. And I need you to be on board and to support me through this. And he was like, yep. You know, I know we're going to have challenges. I don't want to go into some this time around. So, you know, I, by then I found that about midwives because I didn't know you could do that, hire a midwife and have a home birth and all of that stuff. So I literally um, really worked on reversing the diabetes um, first and getting all of that under control um, and working on finding out who would support me so we ended up moving back to Perth um from you know the mining town I messaged like 15 midwives in the area 
Um, and I told them my story. I was like, okay, you know, this is what I've got going on. And only one of them was like, I can help you. Like, yeah, yep, I'll help you because everyone else was like, well, you're really high risk. Um, if you do it in the hospital, try and have a VBAC in the hospital, then I can support you. But otherwise, I can't. Or, you know, and was it high risk? What was what what were the re what was the high risk part that they were saying no to? Because I was a VBAC automatically mm-hmm. um, because of the diabetes um, and because of my age. Because I'm 37 today. But <laughs> so. It was gestational diabetes I was saying no to or the type 2 diabetes because you reversed that? Well, the thing is I was working on reversing it, but I got pregnant before I found out if I had actually reversed it or not. So Mm. so I spoke to GPs and stuff and they automatically told me before I even felt pregnant, like um, they told me like because of this, you're, this is what it's getting, what's going to happen you're going to have to have another cesarean because your scar will open up and I was like scar what scar like I had forgotten about like all of that and mm. and, and you're going to have to get induced at 38 weeks and have a cesarean this is before I even got pregnant yeah so I did my research a lot of research and that's what it was like just automatically without even me getting pregnant so that's why I was like mm, okay I'm gonna go a different route and so I got my numbers really, really low. Um, the only one was the fasting one that was like a bit, a bit of an issue. But by then, um, all this whole COVID stuff was happening and the jabs and all that. And my husband and I were like, he needed to get it for his job. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> let's try before that happens because I don't want to try after. I don't know. It was just all, you know, yeah. we didn't know what could happen. He, he had friends who got it and ended up hospital our friends whose partners died after it so I was I was scared of that but yeah. I said you know what if we're going to do it like have a baby let's do it try now and if it's meant to be like it'll meant you know happen we tried once <laughs> got pregnant and then and then um by then I, I had hired that one midwife that was willing to work with me with that it was idea meant to that, be, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, one midwife, midwife that was, you know, and I was like, you know, home birth, the plan was home birth out of the system, quote unquote mm-hmm. system. And I'm like, so works under that, those guidelines. Yeah. I a doula, I hired a doula as well. Um, and I was like, it's going to be different. Um, and then when we got tests done, because I did do blood work just to see where I was, um, she said, she told me oh well your number your numbers came back and you don't have diabetes so so I I don't know if I had actually reversed it right before or during the you know first trimester or whatnot so everything was going good my numbers were good um and I was like okay fine I'm gonna forget about it for, for a while and just you know just ignore that bit about the diabetes so what happened when you got when you got type 2 diabetes right you did the gtt test so they get you to do the the three tests basically then you got tested and then what did you have like a someone that looked after you and you had to test yourself every day was that kind of the plan with a um when i when i got type 2 diabetes um 
they told me I could go on meds and stuff, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't want to. Um, mm-hmm. I just was like, I'll do this through diet. I'll, I need to figure out what the underlying causes are. So I started working on the underlying causes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I was working with like a functional medicine doctor with, who specialized in diabetes from the U.S., um, so that was kind of the person. And then if I needed any blood work done, then I would go um, somewhere here to like in Australia to go get that blood work done. And then he was checking those numbers. And so when I felt pregnant, um, yeah, the midwife was like, okay, you know, let's go get those bloods done to see where you are. But you, when you changed your, you changed your diet, you changed your um, exercise habits, that sort of thing to, because yeah. I've seen, the thing is like, because part of your story is that we're going to get to it soon. But the thing is that I've seen so many documentaries and so many things about this person reversed their diabetes, this person, and it was always through diet and exercise because with type two diabetes, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert, I'm not a medical person, but watching them it's always diet related they either drink too much alcohol or they're eating really bad high calorie high sugary foods like white processed stuff and they're not moving enough and then when they kind of reduce the carbs and the sugars and the beers or whatever they're you know drinking like for my granddad he had diabetes but has never needed medicine or anything he just stopped drinking like copious amounts of beer (laughs) and then it was like oh you're normal again and then I've seen other people who continue their lifestyle and they need to have medication because they don't actually change anything um so pretty much you just shook it up a little bit and then well well okay so that was a big one um I wasn't having all the cakes and all that so that was a crazy part for me it wasn't diet related for me it was um it, I mean, obviously it did affect me because um, genetically that was part of when we did the assessments of the underlying causes that genetically I just don't tolerate um, carbs very well. So yeah. that was the part. So I could have one piece of toast and that yeah. would trigger me. Um, yeah. So I had to change that. But the big one was adrenal fatigue. Oh, okay. Adrenal fatigue, which carried on from my postpartum okay Um, and all of that stress it was a lot of it was stress and the trauma and all of that was connected um the sleep deprivation all of that was connected so I started meditating I started going to bed earlier like at nine (laughs) o'clock like making sure so I started doing a lot of things but for me checking what really was the underlying causes so yes some of the some of it was diet some of it was movement um but as well, and this is this is a really common one for moms, new moms, adrenal mm. fatigue, the lack of sleep, the stress levels, and I'll get into that with this awesome. pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. I'm really interested about that, and I know that people that have got gestational diabetes or type two or type one, obviously type one's a bit different, but you know they're going to be really intrigued and want to know how do I solve it? How do I get rid of it? How do I improve oh, my chances? Oh my that was, that, that's like the whole theme of this pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. um, I was but- jumping ahead a little bit because I was a little bit uh, intrigued myself. Sorry yeah, about that. No, sure. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that, that was what the whole plan was before I got pregnant. I was like, we're going to get into this. It's going to be, I knew it was going to be crazy, bumpy ride. Um, didn't know how crazy, but um, I'm glad 
happened because now I know. Um, so everything, um, like when I hired the midwife and the doula, everything was going well. Um, but then again, all this, um, the, the whole vaccination stuff was up in the air. Like, okay, hubby needs to have these jobs. There was a lot of fear around that, a lot of worries around all of that. So that all contributed a lot to the blood sugar levels. Um, I actually got myself a continuous um, glucose monitor, that, the one that you do actually put into your arm. So I was actually monitoring myself. I would see when I was getting stressed out, like literally I would take my daughter who, I love her, but like, again, I know that this is all part of the trauma from the birth and all of that. She had crazy tantrums, dropping her off, you know, at this little drop and go that, that I take her to. Um, and she'd have like tantrums. I can see the blood sugar levels rising and then dropping off, like when all those things happen. So I started to see the patterns when I would have like, you know, any yeah any stressful moments I could see how it go up and it was not diet related at all so I had a really stressful time with the whole vaccination stuff with my husband because I kept you know obviously stressing out about oh is he gonna die is something gonna happen once he gets it I know he needs it for his job I know I have friends who are going through this so I was really sick it's like, a really stressful time those I mean it was all over the news there was like holes on the on the tv everyone's forgotten about it now and it's really interesting how everyone you know everyone's moved on with their life and nobody's wearing masks or worried or anything but all the like people oh it was like everyone was against each other there was like people yes. posting every day this is what I believe in this is what I believe in and it was like it was trauma I had leaders who I really respected who were posting things and I just felt this, you're not a politician. This is not your space to be sharing in this around pregnant women who are pregnant and trying to live a stress-free pregnancy yeah. without the fear-mongering and the guilt and all of that stuff that was happening. It was just, it was a stressful time. I'm glad that it's over and done with now, but yeah, it wasn't a great time, especially oh, it was where one of those people that didn't know what you were doing or someone was having to do something they didn't really want to do and for their job or and I mean yeah. I had friends who like her partner died like on Valentine's Day from it left mm -hmm. her with three kids the youngest one wasn't even one so like it was so close to home yeah and, you know what I mean so it was just it was really hard for me and I was so sick like I was throwing up all the time I couldn't eat anything so the only thing I could eat that I could actually stomach was white bread. Yeah. So white bread, me genetically, blood sugar levels. Then I remember, um, I remember when it was getting close to him getting the booster, I was like, God, please, somebody, universe, angels, anybody, like, please help us. Let's, like, let's get COVID so he can get an exemption from that. And of course, get COVID <laughs> and I'm pregnant and it was like you know I'm grateful for it but man it was a hard time yeah and that's when everything changed again because um my blood sugar levels 
like we did our, I did a test because I was monitoring myself still. My blood sugar levels went so high. And I was like, I know when you're sick, when you're not resting, I know automatically your blood sugar levels go up and I could see it super high. And I was like, okay, I'm sick. I'm not even going to worry about it because I know I'm sick. Like, How high I, were they going? Do you remember? Oh, I think they got up to like 11, 12. And that was the highest it's ever been. Yeah. Like, so I was just like, okay, you know, what's going on? And I was, you know, trying to eat, control it through diet, nothing. The fasting ones were the ones that were killing me. And that's when I started to freak out. And I was like, I spoke to my midwife and I was like, okay, what are the numbers? What's happening? Like, what do I do? And she, and she was like, okay, hon, like, it's up to you. Like, if you want a second opinion, we can get you to go talk to an endocrinologist um, you know, and have, you know, you know, think about, you know, potentially changing your plan from the home birth to hospital. And then my whole world just came crumbling down. It was yeah. really hard on because I was like, I was trying to avoid that. Yeah, COVID this back in there. And then um, after that, we ended up doing the test um, and they, she registered me into the hospital that was, you know, sort of like the VBAC hospital in the area and just as a backup sort of thing and open opening it up to okay what we can do is to you know change the plan you know you can labor at home um and if you happen to have a baby at home everything's progressing okay cool but if you if you, you have any complications then you you know we transfer in and you have all this already in place so what I ended up, I ended up really struggling with that, grieving and crying. It was really emotional, which obviously affected my nervous system and my blood sugar levels. So it was high, but I got into the system and I was, I, you know, accepted that. And then I was like, okay, let's do something. I still want to be in control. So I ended up, um, I was already working with a birth trauma counselor and a psychologist. So what I ended up um, asking the hospital was, connecting with them to create a psychological care plan. Um, so that was really, really important for everyone hearing this. Like if you go that route, know that even just having that in place, even if you don't end up in the hospital, like having that in place is super like beneficial. Um, just going through the whole story of like, you know, what happened? What are your triggers? What do you want? And um, because of the whole COVID thing, like they, we had to ask for an exemption to allow my husband and the doula there because I love my husband, but I know I needed a doula who knew things to help me. Yeah. Um, well, and you were only allowed one person because of the COVID stuff and all yeah. that and masks. Um, and, you know, I have an exemption, like all, all these things in place to make me feel safe, even if it's in that environment. I said I wasn't going to have, I wasn't going to be monitored like I did. I didn't want the cannulas. I didn't want any vaginal exams because that, that looking back, like in working through what I worked through, that triggered some childhood sexual yeah. stuff um, mm -hmm. as well. So I knew how important that was and I didn't want to be re-traumatized. So it was a completely different thing. Like I was in control. This is what I want. Even if it is there, like, this is what I can do. Um, but then constantly they wanted me to go in. They wanted me to, you know, um, go in get, and have all these appointments. And everyone kept calling me. And I was so triggered because 
I felt like I had to keep repeating my story and I kept having to explain things over and over. And I was like, can you guys just, and here I am still, still feeling really defensive from the system that really messed me up and trying to explain and all of that. And they were like, well, actually, we don't know if um, this is the best place for you to have a baby. And this is after I had, I was already, okay, maybe I can go there become desensitized I had like this plan to do all this stuff but they're like actually I don't know if we can have it here because we only help um women with gestational and since you had type two you're gonna have to go to a different hospital because we don't handle those here and I was like well I reversed it they're like and then this is where it becomes tricky well you can't reverse type two once you have it you have it for life and I was Mm. just like okay and they're like well what are you eating and I never stepped foot in because I was like nope I don't want to go in there because I know they'll check my blood pressure or something they'll be like you end up you know trying to get me to have the baby then in there from you know you know how it is um Mm. so I was like avoiding it at all costs and I was like I was like, nope, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm monitoring everything. I have my private midwife because they kept going, well, um, you need some, you need um, professional like medical person to be checking you and all that. And I was like, well, I have my private midwife who I'm doing my appointments with. They're like, no, no, I don't even know why they took you on. Then they, they, they had no idea. Like, I don't know how they didn't have this idea like idea because my midwife actually sent her information but they were like I don't even know why they let you into the community midwife program because you're not a candidate like you're high risk they they could be deregistered and there's X and all this sort of stuff and I was just like they have no clue like they thought for some reason that I was just having like this wild birth which would have been amazing <laughs> but like I was getting no nothing, no no was checking, no, you know, all this stuff. And they were like, well, you should have been coming in since a while ago. So they thought that so for some reason I was going through um the midwife program and they were saying that she was gonna be deregistered because um it was out of her scope yeah. that I was high risk and they shouldn't have even given me a midwife there. And I was just, I didn't even say anything because I was like, well, I have a private midwife. It's not even that, but um, there, and they were saying like, well, you should have been like in already, like on insulin or something. And um, so it was just like a whole bunch of things like, oh, you should have been here, blah, blah, blah. And I told them, I was like, well, I've reversed it. Why don't you just treat it as gestational? And they were like, no, no, we're actually going to just send you to the other hospital um, so that they can take over. Um, And I was just like uh, really upset because by then I was already kind of feeling like, okay, I can have this hospital positive birth experience. I've got my psychological care plan. We're going to start working on desensitizing me, slowly going into the hospital, seeing the setting so that I can become familiar and still have this vaginal birth in this in this hospital and feel empowered and all that but then they sent me to another hospital because they were like no you're type two oh you know that's it and then there's they start calling me all the time from all different people like oh we need to get you in now 
and this is like at 36 weeks or so, um, we need to get you in already because we need to get you on insulin already. We should have already been, you had you on insulin. Um, you know, you're already so far gone. I don't know what happened. And everyone's worried about you because, you know, you had diabetes and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, they they like freaked me out. They were freaking out, but, you know, trying to just get me in. And I was like, hold on. Like, they were like, no, no, no. I was like, what if I just continue to do it? Um, there it goes. <laughs> what if I just continue to do this like on, you know, on my own? They're like, no, there's no way. It's not your fault. It's genetic. It's because you're Hispanic. There's no way. It's not your fault. Your body's just failing you. Um, so you just have to go on, on insulin and, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to get induced at 38 weeks and just have a cesarean. Um, sent me a letter about uterine rupture and all the all these things how a baby died and there was like all this stuff about um me potentially dying if I tried to have a vaginal at home um they were like because you know that'll tear and open up and then your baby um will definitely need some oxygen and you'd have um complications and you know all in the hospitals too far and I was like it's 10 minutes away can I just can't I just have the you know can I just go to the hospital here if there's an actual emergency so it was like a lot of back and forth me trying to like explain to them like you know I I know what's going on can I just go there and they're like no no like you, you could go there but you know they've only got one surgeon and he's like a junior surgeon and over here they've got all these other um you know experienced obstetricians surgeons that can just you know do the job blah, blah blah and I was just like that makes no sense and you know it's I knew the percentage of uterine rupture and you know all of that but it was just like this is what's going to happen and all this fear and all that and I could again I can see my blood sugar levels rising every single time I had a call with them um, it would just go up like crazy and it was good because I like I could see it and I can tell them like every time I talk to you guys my blood sugar levels go because I'm actually not okay for me you know it's making it worse whole blood sugar um so then um like when it got to maybe like closer to 38 weeks um then I got a phone call saying well we're gonna treat you like type uh, just a stational um this was at the hospital that they had already referred me to and I was like well I just got sent from this hospital to you guys because they said that it, this whole pregnancy is just going to be treated as a type 2 diabetic and and there and now you're telling me it's gestational so I could have just stayed over there and they were like well yeah we don't know if it was type 2 or gestational so we're going to treat it as gestational so it was just like this constant like back and forth they were scheduling appointments without me even knowing and then I of course I would miss them and um they were saying oh you, you can't be missing your appointments and I'd be like well I didn't even know I had appointments they were scheduling appointments at the other hospital and that hospital so I had appointments with both hospitals now I had people from both hospitals calling me midwives you know all these people and I was mm -hmm. like I can't have this like this is this is too much like this so it's is no, it's no wonder that around this time that you reached out 
for yeah, a session with me. Yeah, that's what, what I mean. It was so stressful. I was like, no, I, I can't do this. And I had already been listening to your podcast um, and a lot of other podcasts, but like, I was like, no, she's had this. I'm going to hit her up. I need, I needed that story of like, who's done this without mm. these people and that were able to pull through. Um, and thank God I did <laughs> um, because once I talked to you and we talked about the numbers, cause I did all the research, I was looking for the science and I was looking at like, okay, if I go on insulin, is that, do I need to do that? And what, what are the outcomes? I was looking at the research and I was like, and my husband was helping me as well with that. He's like, well, based on this, it's actually saying that if you go on insulin, like these women are actually, their babies are actually bigger and there's other complications than if you didn't and mm -hmm. that's why they try and cut you open or induce you at 38 weeks because they don't want it to get bigger so we were just like back and forth like the pros and the cons of um you know going on insulin and and then metformin as well and they're like well if you did metformin we could let you go to 40 weeks but that's it. And I was just like, nope, I'm not doing any of that. Like, I'm going to just do this um, diet and continue to just work on my adrenals and getting sleep and meditating and, you know, just disconnecting from that. Um, and they were like, no, it's not going to work because your body is it's going to get worse. It, you know, it actually gets worse in the last trimester. So it's going to be even harder to control then. Um, but I just told them, nope. And it, I, you know, my, my blood sugar levels actually came down. Like, and I was able to finally, you know, I spoke to you. I felt so at peace and so much more empowered and like, I could do it. Um, and, you know, cause I heard your story and the numbers and I hadn't, everyone that talked about the numbers were always a lot like lower than what I had. And I was mm. having fasting numbers of like seven or eight sometimes. And I, and everyone was like, Oh, I'm 5.3. And, you know, and I was like, okay, is my baby really at risk? Is there really going to be an issue? And, um, so once I heard that story, uh, like they were still calling me and they're like, you need to come in now. We need to get this baby because your chances are that of this baby dying are going to increase. Like basically wanted me to go in to get him out of 38 weeks. And that's when I said, nope, screw everyone. <laughs> I'm just going to tune into myself and just focus. Like, you know, you gave me some really good ideas. Um, it is really, it, it, it's really, really interesting as well that you, like you were educated and you were looking at this even more than, um, than like you went out and invested in something that could look at you, your sugars all the time. And you yeah. were watching and seeing your, your levels go up when the stress came. And the same thing happens with like blood pressure as well. And it's like, it's so interesting that they're so fixated on these other things, but they don't have the basic understanding and knowledge of the stress and what they're causing by the way that they treat and speak to women and the way that they control and fear women, the danger and damage that they're putting the woman and the baby through, mm -hmm. like, as you said, damaging your adrenals, making you tired, exhausted, anxious, fretful, you know, having to do all these things instead of just relax and as if pregnancy isn't hard enough, right? Yeah, and I did end up going um, for a scan 
And that was like the last scan that I went into the hospital for because they gave me so many, and it was like the gross scan and all that. And they gave me so many issues because I wasn't wearing a mask, because I wasn't vaccinated. Even though I had exemptions for both, they were like, um, like you need this. And I had to explain to them, I had all the information and they, they put me on the little corner and I could hear um, someone saying, oh, you know, this, we have a problem client, like, you know, she's over here unvaxxed and doesn't but want to. Did, why, did, why did the vaccination matter? Like, this is my question, right? You had already had COVID. So if it was to protect you and your baby, you've already had COVID. Yeah. And you're like alive that. and you've survived through it. Like, it's too yeah. late now anyways. It's, and yeah. what are you going to do? You've got the immunity from COVID. What yeah. does the, what did the vaccination, what was it, who was it protecting? Because the thing that I find with like my sister, she's a, an RN, right? She works in the hospital. She, she got vaccinated and she's had COVID a couple of times. And then oh, yeah. like, it doesn't actually stop you from getting COVID. It reduces the severity or whatever for that person. But why is that any of their business? If you've decided not to, it's just yeah. out yeah. of control. Well, that- they told me, they told me, oh, you can get everyone, in, you know, can you imagine if you had COVID, you can get everyone here sick and people can die. I mean, you're not protecting yourself either. And I was like, I had a COVID. If you, why not test for COVID when this is my thing, test the people for COVID when they come into the hospital. If they've got COVID, we'll deal with that situation, right? But you've got people coming to hospital with more, like worse things yeah. than COVID it's a disease like if you've got a disease you're going into hospital because you've got a disease and And there's so many things that you can get when you're in hospital and finally when I went inside to the ultrasound like they didn't hear they didn't know that I heard them like what they were saying about me so rude isn't it I went in there and the lady was like um where's your mask and I was like at this point I've already gone through like five people and explained that you would think that I've already explained it why do you need to ask and I was like I have an exemption like from this and she was like oh okay she was really short and like rude she was just like okay why are you here and I was like oh my god I was like the the obstetrician wanted me to be here to do check because I had COVID and she said that because I had COVID there could be issues with my baby and you know some they said that because my cord and my placenta could calcify and start deteriorating and maybe the baby could be affected and stop growing and so and that some babies um were actually dying um, and I was just like, oh, gosh, you know what? Let me just go check. And she was like, yeah, yeah. It's because, because some of the moms, you know, that have had COVID, um, they've had these issues and, and then she stopped saying that. And, but then she added mothers that have been unvaxxed. And I was like, what was that? And she was like, oh, you, oh no, just, you know, moms that were not vaccinated. And so what obviously. What do you do about it at that point? If you, like, you, they can't yeah. stop the baby from dying because they don't oh. know anything about it. It so it's just fear-mongering isn't it it's just oh, I don't agree with your choice and I'm going to let you know about it and I'm going to fear yeah. you to do what I want you to do and I don't like everyone was like everyone's like go body and autonomy and let's women birth on their choice. terms women's choices you know human rights and then it's like, <laughs> those same people are like you dirty animal get the vaccination even even if it causes you problems (laughs) like I think I believe in people's choices I'm pro-choice and I saw a lot of pro-choice people changing their tune Mm -hmm. and I think it's one thing to tell people or inform people and I was definitely 
following along for some of the people who I respected who understood the research and I shared that with my community because I know that some of my community they want to know the information because they're educated they want to be informed so these are this is what we know let's break it down let's think about it but in a respectful manner not in a you know manipulative let's control let's do this the thing that comes back to me and and is so strong with your story is that there's a lot of fear and people panic in fear and like my dad told me a story about one time he swam out to the ocean to save somebody who was drowning and that person started drowning him and because they were panicking and they were freaking out and so he had to knock them out so he could save that person and also save himself and then he brought him back to shore and it's it's a perfect example of how fear can control people if you don't understand that fear is controlling you you can become vindictive nasty controlling all these things but in the name of saving someone because now you're turning it around because you're a nurse a midwife or a doctor and you're saving them from themselves from making a terrible mistake don't they understand don't they see it my way and Mm -hmm. I've got to save them and that poor baby I've got to call CPS on them because they're terrible people because they don't believe the same as me and it's that mentality the closed-mindedness of not being able to see people for who they are and connect and have that compassion and and empathy I didn't feel any empathy from that lady the story that you were sharing no humanity was like gone and she was like and she was like uh, and I was like well what are they finding like what oh we're following the research from the UK and I was Mm. like well what is it saying like oh I don't know she says I don't know actually I I don't know we're still trying to figure that out but yeah I just thought I would throw that in and I was just like because I was asking like legitimate questions and they didn't have the yeah. answers and I was following all the research as well and and I was like I'm not an idiot I'm not stupid I'm not yeah. I'm following this and you actually can't answer these questions for me but you're making me feel or you're trying to make me feel like I'm this selfish ignorant yeah. person and then the and then she goes well you don't have to come back just so you know and I was just like Thanks. You don't have to come back so you know. <laughs> I literally was like Thank crying, you. Shaking, and I checked my my blood sugar levels. Oh my god, it got so high. So I actually compl- filed a complaint Good. about it. Um, and they were like, "Oh, you know, I'm so that wasn't right." Blah blah blah. And um, and I told I told them I'm not going back anymore because I'm trying to monitor my blood sugar levels. So me going to you guys or speaking to you guys is actually detrimental to my module levels so that's kind of how you know I was planning I had the information to show them like look this phone call starts this is when it goes up because all of this happens and they were like well don't you want to save your baby like you know you were able to push out your baby your first baby was eight pounds and this one's already measuring really big and you were able to push out um an eight pound baby, what makes you think you're going to be able to push out anything heavier than that? Oh, All this sort of stuff. So I was just like, no, like that's, it was so, and this is why, <laughs> this is why we don't trust this, you know, we don't trust the system. You're already traumatized. You're already skeptical. Yeah. And then you have that unsupportive, they're not hearing you out. They don't, you know, it was just like, no, no, no. So I, I cut off everything um, and I decided to just, have the you know just go back to the home birth and for two weeks before I had the baby 
um, I was already getting these, you know, the feelings and all that. Um, my mucus plug. So everything was starting to happen already. Um, really, really tuning in. And honestly, um, I think that because I was so in tune with the baby and my body, um, when it actually happened, I didn't realize that it was happening. <laughs> um, I was just, you know, doing my normal things and I was having all these pains, all these contractions, and it just happened so quickly. My, like, we didn't even have a chance to uh, fill the tub or anything because, um, yeah, I was having these sensations. We, we had my daughter get picked up and everything just took off. But um, I went into the shower. I had the TENS machine for a little bit. Um, and um, that's all I did. I was kept doing my deep breathing. I went into the shower and that's when it really started. Like the waters broke really fast. And I called my husband. I was like, okay, call the midwife, call my doula. They get there. My, my, my doula gets there. And my midwife was actually not there. <laughs> um, she was in another birth. Um, and um, so, but I didn't care. I was just so into it. And I was like, whatever. I was just so connected with myself. Um, she helped me, my doula helped me to just come out of the shower. She put things um, on the floor, just outside of the shower, really. And I just got on all fours, tuned in, and literally one push is <laughs> all it took. And he just, out wow and I, like just guide him out just connect with yourself it all like she got there and 30 minutes later he was like literally out it was so fast so this is from the doula arriving 30 minutes later and the baby was born yep and like how long we do you think you're in labor for well that morning um I was already feeling I woke up at like seven in the morning and I was like okay these these are more crap because it was like more like cramping feeling mm. which I had already been feeling for two like I said two weeks like, so I was like, like period Whoa. period kind yeah, of cramping. Yeah, yeah but then at this point and I had already had some leaking so I wasn't sure if it was my fluids but it was for two weeks and then I was like oh it's my water's breaking and then all that came up again with the mm. antibiotics for that and I was like no just keep hydrating keep connecting but it wasn't until um, I, like around noon. Mm -hmm. So from when I woke up seven in the morning, I was already feeling cramping and all that, but I was going about my day pacing back and forth. My husband pulled out the tub, but we didn't even get to like fill it up or anything. <laughs> I was like, get, I was like, puppy, tell your mom to come pick up our daughter. Cause she flew down to help us. Okay. Um, she picked her up and literally just everything took off, put the tens machine on and I was just breathing. And I was like, I don't know what this is my doula and my midwife like it sounds like you know you might be in early stages of labor just keep going about your day it, everything's contractions are irregular so I was like oh my god if this is what it is like I don't think I can do this I was already like losing my mind I felt like but it was just more like cramping and I was just breathing through them tens machine then I went in the shower and I was like no I'm staying here but when I used to do my visualizations I always visualize myself um on all fours so when um when my waters break broke in the in the shower um and my husband called them the doula and all that like I was like I was just not I didn't know if it was going to be another 12 hours I didn't know anything else I guess I was kind of like oblivious or I don't know what that's it was. the beauty of birth like <laughs> even if a midwife was attending she wouldn't know 
unless like the baby's head was coming out like yeah. you don't they no one knows and it's, he, uh, it's a it's like a magical pretty, surprise he felt pretty high as well so like mm. I was like oh, I don't know this might take a while like and she was like oh does do you, do you feel his head and I was like oh I don't, you know I don't feel anything so then I kind of was like this is gonna be a while but I was still breathing through it like um, and, and then I, I just, got, I just intuitively got on all fours and I just felt the contractions, the surges, like just on its own, like, and I was just, I was like, what's going on? And she was like, just help guide it. And I was like, I'm feeling the, like the ring of fire, whatever they call it. And she was like, just guide him down, just hold it. And I remember just like going down there, feeling his head and then feeling him. And I, and, and just one push, he just like came out. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and I had to like Amazing. move up because he was pretty big. I mean, he was four point almost four point four kilos. Well, I have some questions like, how did you push that baby out of your vagina? It was bigger than eight pounds. Yeah, he was. I'm really wondering how an almost ten pound baby came yes. out <laughs> when an eight pound baby couldn't. He just came out, and, and <laughs> I'm pretty narrow. Jeez narrow like narrow hips as well so everyone's like oh you have pretty small hips wow and all that and I was like he just came out like yeah they this is of the course, body it's magical of course the baby just it. came out you know <laughs> it's like of course you know and you intuitively birthed your baby you were listening to yourself you were going into yourself you were connecting in you were allowing your body to get into positions that felt right and there was nobody there that was telling you that you couldn't you had someone there who was supporting you and allowing you to do what you needed to do. And how beautiful is that? Yeah. I mean, they called the paramedics and they got there and they were just literally just in the back watching. Mm. <laughs> but I didn't, I was just so in the zone. Like I didn't even care. I was just so connected with him and came out, grabbed them. And the first thing I said, so was, the paramedics were there when the baby was being born and they, they allowed the back like I didn't oh, good. see them at all that's really cool that's I good they were freaking out because they had never seen that before wow. so you <laughs> the gifted them something apparently the guy was sweaty my doula was like she's okay and he was just like do you want to go to the hospital and go like and I was like in my whole thing and I was just yeah when he came on I grabbed him the first thing I was just like does he have red hair and I was like did I just frame birth and she was like yep (laughs) that's that's a really good um like learning thing as well like just because you call an ambulance doesn't mean that they get to take over and take control and so if anyone finds themselves in that situation then we can advocate or ask or just say you know we'll let you know if we need you it's your birth like I went they didn't let me they were letting me to nope this is what I'm doing yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah. You would you weren't even aware of them. You were just in your body doing what you were doing and and meeting your baby. Yep. And your baby was 4.4 kilos. And he was posterior, by the way. <laughs> oh wow. So that was a pretty good quick birth. I mean, obviously you took time to birth your baby, but it was with ease and you weren't even really sure if you, you like you were coping with it so well and just breathing through and bringing your baby down, still unaware if you're really in labor, maybe mm-hmm. not believing it. <laughs> yeah, it was so amazing. Amazing, amazing. Oh, I, amazing. <laughs> I was so happy when you sent me the photo. Oh, I was just so overjoyed for you. You were so <gasps> proud of yourself. 
<laughs> I did it. I did it. <laughs> I know. It was, it was, I just, because I didn't for a long time. I didn't. And I had all these voices and all these people telling me I couldn't. And then, you know, speaking to you, hearing the stories, I was like, they did it. And you did like, it. Of course you did. That's I what it was, connecting with the baby, talking to the baby. Um, I did a lot of that. And he was like, mom, I'm fine. And that gave me that, like that faith and courage and you know maybe not knowing how dilated I was or mm. like all of that maybe not knowing how far along I was and letting my body actually do what it was meant to be and getting out of my head is yeah. you know what allow my body to do it so it's so possible for anyone to be back and all that there's little work depending on you know you know how traumatized or like the beliefs and all that and I know that's something that you work with women with as well yeah um, so all of that is so important to just clear that and allow the body to do what it was meant to do but usually that's it's right. all factors the biggest thing that. the biggest thing I think that we heard through your story and what I hear time and time again is is that the women believe in themselves and they continue to go for the path or the birth that they want, even though they're being told they can't, but external. And even though that's anxiety inducing, if you set yourself up with the right team, the right mindset support, the right information, then you can work through that and then slowly make sure you work towards getting support because we don't have to, we don't have to initiate with the hospital. And sometimes, you know, I speak with home birthing women who do, they get trapped in the system like you were, you were pulled in because of the gestational diabetes and that causes so much more. So in that situation, those women need so much more support and care mm -hmm. because they're in that system, having to deal with all of that all the time. Yes. But when you've got trauma and you've got, if you're a highly sensitive person, you're <laughs> working through all of those things. It's just so important to have someone to go through that with. And I'm so glad you had such a good supportive team and that you had like your partner sound, your husband sounds amazingly supportive and mm -hmm. helpful. And I'm just really glad that you had the birth that you wanted to have and you, you, oh. uh, you know, you've achieved what you wanted to do. Yeah, that was a big one as well. He was just like, I'm so happy. I knew you could do it. And, you know, he saw everything that I went through. So yeah. he knew how important this was. And um, I mean, he, you know, he was amazing. And like, even if he was just kind of like in the back standing there when it actually happened, <laughs> like yeah. I got the baby sort of like it just came out and it was just on me. So it was just amazing. So how are you feeling now? Because previously you were highly traumatized and now you've oh. had your free birth. How are you feeling? Oh. And how long has it been since the baby's born? So he's three months now. Three months, um, okay. He's three months now. A completely different experience. I mean, yeah. I, you know, having the support, like, you know, I made sure, like, this was going to be different. Like, so having postpartum meals delivered obviously because I you know not having family around awesome yeah um, you know, looking for support again it's the big thing is support feeling you know feeling supported feeling mm -hmm. like all these having all these people to love on you I mean I had a mother's blessing and just really connecting with like a tribe creating a tribe because I didn't have a tribe I moved here within a year um basically met people but I really did a lot of work on myself and attracted a lot of these like soul sisters I would call them something nice. I never had before um so I had a mother's blessing everything's just been so different with this experience um 
that like you know yes obviously physically <laughs> I don't mean big baby still work healing but like in spite of that I'm a different person like mentally like emotionally like my relationship with my husband we're so much closer like so much is so much better like from who I was you know and the recovery and all of that like I'm a completely different person I feel stronger and seriously like so much more empowered like nope don't give me that (laughs) <laughs> like reborn rebirth. reborn oh, yeah oh, rebirth yeah, rebirth of baby <laughs> no <not> yeah <laughs> if you could describe yourself in three words uh, not yourself sorry if you could describe how you feel after your birth how would you how would you just what would the three words be oh definitely um empowered strong and um ecstatic strong and ecstatic I love that I love that and I know it's so possible for other people I know it's hard and that's the the best part about it like I did it and all this stuff and it's hard but like yeah I just wish everyone could experience this because it's come such a different experience like black and white day and night isn't it you know total opposite well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. I can't wait to go through this and edit it and put it out on, into the world. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. And you know that because you were really uh, like an important part of all of this, especially at the end. So I just want you to know that. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate you too. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope this episode has helped you take another step forward in your VBAC Home Birth journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps me get this message out to more women just like us. Want to follow along and get freebies and offerings? Find me on Instagram, Ashley L. Winning, and send me a DM to say hi. And come and join our safe group on Facebook. Just search VBAC Home Birth Support Group. Until next time, keep shining beautiful.